This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. We have a ton of stuff to talk about. We had one of those things where we just kept going, oh, we got to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got to talk about that. So we're glad to have you guys with us. We've got two really cool car debates and a bunch of questions from you guys as well. We've been talking about our upcoming road trips because we're kind of we're kind of jonesing to do a road trip. Yeah, and we are ready to get back out with the Corvette C8 that we've got yeah. and sort of reintroduce it to the world and get back uh, get back filming that thing. And I'm I've excited. been driving my Elise around town and going, I like this car so much. So I I'm so know. excited That's that we're awesome. doing road trips with that. Speaking of small, light cars, we've been talking about where is the lightweight electric sports car for a while and saying, let's get something under 3,000 pounds, hopefully like Miata weight, 2,500, that is electric. Well, Caterham, of all people, has dropped a, I, I can't say it's a model yet, it's a concept. It's, it is it's a, a good-looking concept. Yes. It looks like it's close, but Caterham, who essentially has taken the Lotus 7 and milked it for decades, okay, the Lotus 7 open-wheel racer thing that's tiny but very, very fun and not, I mean, it, it makes it makes my Elise look luxurious. That's the Caterham, okay? <laughs> right. The, the Lotus I, 7 I Caterham. Yeah. This is actually an enclosed electric, it almost looks like an electric uh, rethinking of the Elise, and it's like 2,800 pounds. Kind of. I'm reading about this, and it is intended as an EV from the very beginning. So it's mm-hmm. not a chassis yep. and a car that has been modified. Power comes from a 200-kilowatt motor, and it's got an estimated range of just under 250 miles, 249 miles. And I'm seeing like 2,600 pounds just yeah. over, yeah, somewhere right. in there. Right. Yep. Of course, carbon fiber and aluminum and mm-hmm. you know all the, the exotic materials that you want. But... We just ended, I think, the last podcast on wanting something like this. That mm-hmm. didn't take long. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it here's. I haven't decided if I like how this looks. Looks a little ungainly in photos. But again, uh, what does it look like in person? I'm and appreciating I, the proportions. I, I am thrilled with, yeah, the idea of it is great. It. Also, yeah. it, it's going to be offered apparently, at least in concept form, in a two plus one. A singular central back seat, which would yes. probably help you for leg room and knee room, let's be honest. Gosh. So it may be offered in a two plus one. It looks kind of like it takes vibes from the Elise. And I am fascinated by this. And Caterham, if you're listening, when you drop a real one of these, can we please be at the launch? Because I want to drive this thing so badly. I, yeah, I love no that kidding. it exists. This is this is the kind of thing I want every current sports car manufacturer to strive to do. I know they're going to do, we talked about this at length last podcast, I know they're all going to do the five-seat boring silver SUV pod. But if you're currently, I'm talking Mazda, Porsche, etc. If you're currently making a lightweight-ish sports car, where is your lightweight-ish electric sports car? If you're going to go all electric, give us that. And Caterham, of all people, is the first one to show up. I love it. Volvo did a two plus one concept years ago. And I'm trying to find, I forget what the name of that was, but they experimented with, you know, the demographics mm-hmm. and we just want a few people and they, they did that. But I... I love this thing. I think it's very intriguing. And I what agree. this proportion or what this platform has done is give it uh, sports cars new proportions. But yeah, it looks yeah. too even to my eye. It doesn't. Okay. It, it looks like the, the cab is mm-hmm. really right dead center. Perfectly. If dead you're looking center. at a yep. side elevation, yep. it's, it's dead center between uh, the, the two axles. So I like that, but it doesn't. It says 50-50 weight dis- distribution by virtue of the styling because that's mm. what the platform is giving it. I sure. want the designers to deliberately make it not a 50-50 visual look. Oh, sure. Let's not what copy saying. what the platform is doing, even mm, though that's what okay. cars have done for decades. A long inline eight-cylinder. Well, creates a long you got to enclose yeah. that, so that's why that car had a long hood. And mm, same mm. with BMW inline sixes. Well, it's got a kind of a long hood and a cab rearward kind of a look. But with EVs, everything's on the table. You're right. Fair we point. can yeah. do anything we want at this point, so we don't have to follow a particular recipe. There's no engine to package mm-hmm. under a hood. Yeah. There's no rear or mid-engine kind of engine placement. So let's make it look not like what the platform is. That's Mm. what I want more out of it. But otherwise, yes, let's drive it. 
bring it. Caterham. I would love we, to we see. We definitely one. want to be at the launch. I'd love to see one for real because I, I think this is one of those cars that in person is probably very attractive. In photos, some of the photos, I'm like, I'm not sure, but I am so intrigued by this, and it's exactly what we've been talking about. Speaking of EVs, Hyundai has revealed their 600 brake horsepower Ionic 5N. I like it that they're n nifying mm. Nizing, everything. Everything is in, yes. Which is cool. Of course, it's in that really nifty N color scheme with the blue and the black lower rocker mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. just the red pinstripe around the lower spoiler and the rocker. This is 600 brake horsepower mm. with the... And Grand Boost giving it 641 brake horsepower for 10 seconds, two electric motors. And this thing is made to drift. It's got mm. torque, kick, drift. All yes. these new acronyms and end drift optimizer and in this and in that it's it's, it's like it's like the in key the capital in key was stuck on the keyboard yeah. when they wrote the press materials it just kept dropping an in in front of everything yeah. do i want this shape going 162 miles an hour for its top speed do we do we want that I, i'm gonna go another route <laughs> and that it look this is this is zero to 60 in the low threes it's and it has quick. this yes. this desire to kind of approximate the hard shifting of a car and to do mm-hmm. this this back half kick that will create drifting and that kind of stuff. I am here. I'm of two minds here. I'm okay. so divided okay. on this because on one level, I love that Hyundai's doing this. I love that Hyundai is taking an electric vehicle that's been very successful for them. They've got all kinds of accolades on the Ionic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, and they're making a one that is totally focused on performance and they're looking at the things that people like about performance uh, internal combustion engine cars and going okay let's get it kind of like that but still be an ev they're cranking up the dial as you can do with electrics and making it super fast i love that they're they're pursuing all of this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i also think this is officially too much in what way the amount of power the amount of speed the fact that it does things like this kick this is destined to be wrapped around a light pole it, it is, it, it's but just I with mm. EVs, what else do you do but add horsepower? Because it's easy to do. You're right. Essentially. You're right. Yep. But with a car like this, yeah, you want range, but range is not what people are looking for if you're interested in something like this. Mm. Well, sure, the range is okay, but it's going to drop precipitously when you start driving it in mm-hmm. drift mode like like you're doing. It mm-hmm. even has knee pads and shin supports. Yes, and it has it. It actually tries to copy the engine sound of the two-liter turbo four. I mean, this sure, I, but I, that just means your range is going to just you're right, plummet. You're right. Yes, yes, yes. So therefore, this is a play toy now. This is. is not a legitimate commute, take mm-hmm. passengers. This is just playtime. Yeah, and I just I think this is going to be an awful lot to handle. I think it's going to be genuinely <laughs> yeah. difficult to handle because of the amount of power, because of all the things that it does. I think this is going to be... 11-stage torque distribution, <laughs> ELSD. <laughs> what? We hinted at this the last time. I think this is going to be an ongoing reality with electric cars because I... And also, this is clearly targeted to get the person that hasn't wanted to buy an electric yet to buy this. Does that mean they, what, that's where EVs are going? They've bought a performance car from Hyundai or others before. They're intrigued by the uh, the Hyundai inline, and this gets them into an electric. But I, but I really think, at least to this point... There are exceptions to what I'm about to say, but I think to this point, what's happened with electric buyers is a lot of electric buyers. There are some that are car people and they've been track people. We've met them. People that have tracked cars, people that have a lot of driving experience, and now they bought a very powerful EV. But then there's a large pool of EV buyers that we've also spoken to and seen in stats that they've never had a powerful high-performance car before. That's true. And now yeah. they've bought yeah. an electric. And the gulf between what they had and what they have now is staggering. It's like you went from a Miata to a Hellcat. It's this kind of jump. And I think a huge percentage of people are vastly unprepared. I agree to that because I see bad driving habits magnified by power. They always are. Go to a track day. People well, that want to yeah. drive well, yeah. bad habits are are demonstrated by power, or and they attempt to mask them with power. And you can always be like, "Uh oh, that's frightening." <laughs> well, that's a good segue because we've recently had a Volkswagen Taos, a new one, mm. the SEL, the Four Motion, your very favorite vehicle driveway. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that's a nice segue is because this has 158 horsepower and 184 pound feet of torque from a little tiny engine. It's turbo. But I have to keep my speed everywhere I go. So it appears as if I'm driving really aggressively. I want to hang on to speed and use momentum from the car up hills mm-hmm. or around corners. But then people see this thing coming up fast. I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm not a hot 
performance car. I'm not a sports car. Mm -hmm. I need to do that so I can keep up with traffic. Mm -hmm. But it's made me appear aggressive weirdly. I've noticed this a lot in just trying to drive this thing. And I feel like it's the pedal response because the pedal travel feels the same from initial tip in all the way to the floor. It doesn't get more difficult the farther you push on the pedal as if there's more resistance to say I'm accessing more power do you want this? It's too light at the very beginning mm-hmm. and it's too light at the end, but the turbo lag makes this thing perform like an astonished reindeer. <laughs> I like that description. Here's the thing. It's a 1.5 liter turbo and you and I both drove this at length and, and we wanted to talk about it here on the podcast because we've obviously, we've made fun of the Taos. The last one we had, uh, I think is the car you have ranted the most about. It is. But we yes. but we really, we really tried it. And I, I, look, Dear listener, I really pushed on my dear friend Paul to be like, the Taos is here. Just give it a shot. I think overall. I feel like I did. I think overall, you came in much more like, I'm ready for it to be either way. And I have to give you real credit because I think you came in unbiased, knowing that you didn't like the last one, but I think you came in unbiased. It was kind. But one of the things that you just stated resonated with me as well, and that is I've driven this a lot as well. Mm -hmm. First off, it's in pure gray. The color name, the actual name on the Monroney says pure gray. Gray is a mix of black and white. It <laughs> is I didn't impure. mean to get you going. I didn't mean to get you the going. The whole going. point of gray is that it is not pure. There's shades of gray, which means it isn't black and white. It's not exactly pure one way or the other. You can't call, uh, you okay, can't yes. call it that. So, so, But this has a 1.5 liter turbo. We've talked about things. My 300ZX is a great example. It leaves tomorrow, by the way. Very sad. Anyway, uh, the the 300ZX is a great example of we talked about old school turbo where you know you don't feel the turbo and then now here the, here's the hint of the turbo and now you're on turbo and that's right. really cool and turbos right. don't do that anymore. There's the downside of that. Like the great thing with the 300ZX is it was powerful enough before the turbos came on that you didn't feel disappointed and then the turbos came on and amazed you. Right. But there was old school turbo of small cars as well that was bad. Yes. That was, this isn't powerful enough until it gets on boost. So it's a little frightening prior to boost. The Taos right now with a 1.5 liter engine, the problem with it is that before it's on turbo, it's not powerful enough. You're waiting for it to have the power that you, like, I need to accelerate. I need to accelerate. Where is the, and then boom, your astonished reindeer comment. It's like a rattled, yeah, it's a rattled forest creature. It's all of a sudden. Doesn't care about anything. It's nibbling it. (laughs) But I will also say this. Something about the throttle mapping is really strange because the initial, I would say the first 5% of the throttle pedal responds as if you gave it half of it. And then you back off. Yes. Like why, why? So it's clearly been calibrated because of that small engine to give it a lot to give you that initial punch. But if you're doing something like slowly backing down your driveway, I did this multiple times where I'm driving the Taos going rare, rare, rare. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. all I want to do, I just want to give it the tiniest little bit of just above the creep that an automatic transmission does. I want just above that. But the little breathe on the gas pedal is now 50% throttle. It's like, what are you doing? Calm down. Yes. There, there's no, yes. there's no easy progression there of the pedal it has this this jerk about it and that was actually the only thing about it that i really disliked otherwise here's my issue with the taos it doesn't have any standout feature it is a perfectly acceptable five seat mid-grade roughly forty thousand dollar suv there is that is the most crowded market on the planet right now Mm-hmm. You have to do something mm-hmm. to stand out. And here it is in pure gray with weird throttle response and no actual like, oh, well, that's cool feature. I'm trying to put a fine point on as to why I didn't like the house, And we decided to not produce a video on it and discuss it here because I feel like it would have been uninteresting. It's not beautiful to look at. The interior is uninspired. The seats are not great to sit in. The transmission is poor. It doesn't brake well. <laughs> and then this powertrain, well, yeah, for the four-wheel drive model, it says 25 city, 32 highway. That sounds pretty decent mm-hmm. for a yeah, small sure. SUV. Absolutely, yeah. Except the way you use the power is all the time, I need to get everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I'm timing myself. Okay, here's the on-ramp. And so I'm floored around the corner but the car's not responding mm, yet. Mm. And then I know as soon as I straighten out, then it'll take off. Mm. So I'm driving in a different way. And again, trying to use momentum. So now when I do take off, 
I'm not getting 32 miles to the gallon. I'm not getting <laughs> 32 highway. Nope. So my MPG has plummeted mm. because the drivetrain doesn't suit the vehicle and it drives like a very uninspired golf. It's not interesting to drive. So therefore it is like lowest common denominator kind of car. See, I, it's like an mm. overly produced reality show in automotive Ooh. form. Ooh, now actually I do like that. That's a really good way to describe it because we've all yeah. seen that when you're watching some reality show. This is a plague of build shows, by the way. Yes. You're watching a build show going, oh, are we doing this now? Where it's overproduced. Like, I feel like, you're, like here, you're check the box. insulting I, I, me as a viewer. Like see, I'm smarter mm. than this. I can drive I, better than this. I do, I do like it more than you do still. I will say that. I think it is a perfectly fine, acceptable execution but when the market's that yeah, competitive, exactly. now it's a problem. Not in this vast market where it competes. If you want to make, no. here, I'll put it another way. If you want to make a perfectly fine, acceptable, small, two-seat rear-wheel drive convertible, you're not competing with much. Miata, which is excellent, oh, sure. but you're not competing with much. Right, right. Sell that car for twenty five grand, it will sell. It doesn't matter how good or bad it is. Because, it, because yeah. there's not much in that category. If you want to make a new competitor to the Suburban at Suburban Money, so you're going to sell some of them because there's not that many in that market. But five-seat, mm -hmm. mid-grade, $40,000 SUVs, everybody's got two. Every market, every, every yes. department's got, I mean, uh, manufacturer's got at least two. Porsche, who used to only make sports cars, has two. But many of them are really quite good. Yes. Even though we don't yes. want to admit how good they are and they actually drive well and they're actually really great for what people buy them for. We kind of make a lot of noise about how many SUVs people buy, but the SUVs have become so good. Volkswagen has insulted their buyers and all of mm. us car enthusiasts by bringing to market something so poor. It, there's not a standout feature, as you said, it's about in standout, any yeah. category. It's, it's about You're not, not having a standout. You're not even giving us one standout feature. <laughs> the handling's not great, but man, that power and the way it moves is great. Or it could use more power, but man, that chassis is so really finely well-tuned. None of that applies here. So why should you pay your hard-earned money even at a low price point? Mm. I don't care whether it's expensive or cheap. It should be good. Lifted Golf. Finally, from our friends at Blipshift, there are a couple of shirts. Daily Triple, as mm -hmm. of this recording, is still available for one day and six hours. So get your new Daily Triple, and it's a nice gray blue. It and is a cool-looking color, yeah. There's also a Spa Dreamer too. so it's one-track mine with the Spa Francochamps circuit on there. So visit our friends at Blipshift. Our friend Mandy Combs, mm -hmm. she does all of our merchandise yes. and plans everything mm -hmm. so well. You'll notice that when a particular video drops, the shirt is also from, from that sh yes. the car from that mm -hmm. shoot is available as a shirt or something that ties in. But if not, there a lot of these shirts will come back. So keep your eye on our partner store at blipshift.com. And if you have a shirt you're really, really wanting, let us know. We'll tell you when the cycle comes back or we'll make sure it's in the cycle. Again, Automotively Irresponsible is coming back. So is the, uh, the, the Elements of Miata shirt is coming back. We have a new one that is inspired by our most recent pilgrimage trip that's coming soon. So there's lots of stuff. In fact, regular stuff over there at Blipshift. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's car wash season. Always wash your car in a cool, shady spot and use Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. Griot's has also just introduced the Cordless Foaming Sprayer as well. You can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches. These are the safest ways to wash your ride. If you need to get the bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. There's also tar and sap remover if you parked under a tree. Griot's offers wash and detail kits which make it easy to get the right products all together. Whether you need a starter car care kit, or you're breaking out the foam cannon, or you're detailing your interior, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Lisa J. writes to us asking, what does a triathlete drive? Hmm. 
She's been listening to podcast reviews around car-based SUVs. Lisa, thanks for writing. She's a woman that loves vehicles with sports car handling and a bit of luxury. Mm, She owns a year 2000 Nissan Maxima GLE with over 221,000 miles. And in capital letters, she says she loves that car. Okay. All right. It was by far the best investment she's ever made as it's got over 200,000 miles and she's never put any serious money into it since buying it. But now it is time to buy a new car, mainly because her lifestyle has changed. She competes in triathlons and Mm. now needs something with a larger cargo area to transport her bike and sports equipment, which has made her consider the car-based SUV category. And she's just not thrilled with what she's seeing, (laughs) despite our lauding many SUVs. She needs a Taos. Oh, sorry. No, separate. Do not buy a Taos. Anyway. She can't seem to wrap her mind around paying $40,000 and she gets a Honda instead of a Benz. Lisa, actually, you, sh- you can look online, and many of you listening can find this too. There's been a few people that have done breakdowns recently that have taken the current price of cars, and then they have worked backwards to what the the value, inflation-adjusted, would have been. What <laughs> what cars from 20 years ago would have cost. So you're, you just want to make yourself cry? Infla- that- no, no, no. no here's the, what's interesting. Cars are actually priced similarly, or in some cases, below what their equivalents were 20 years ago. Hmm. The problem is the inflation's happened. Not, not every car. Paychecks have, have, have not gone up the same right. amount. But paychecks my point here followed. is yeah. that $40,000, while seems insane, why on earth am I not getting a Mercedes-Benz for that? The reality is that's actually what cars just cost. It, it's not, it's not, not, it's not that Hondas have gotten more expensive. It's just that's the whole market has shifted in what that number is up front. And so that is a legit thing. Look at some of these, uh, these adjusted for inflation things that various people have done around. And it's, I find it fascinating. That doesn't take away the fact that it's still a lot of money. Yeah, it is. Well, Lisa is not really feeling the Honda CRV. Hmm. She's not feeling the RAV4 because she writes, everyone has them. And now post COVID, you have to order them from the factory and then wait four months. This is actually true. Ooh. Yeah, she's right. She test drove the Mazda CX-50, which was better, but it had cheap elements on the inside. I'm kind of with you, Lisa, there. But she liked the Forester, which was hmm. better. Okay. What she liked about it was high-quality leather and a luxury interior that it provides. She writes the drive was quiet, and she did not hear any engine strain upon acceleration. Hmm. And it wasn't a turbo. Okay. There was no body roll when whipping around turns, and she kind of dug it. Interesting. Okay, all right. She says, compared to other vehicles, it seemed to offer the most value for the price, but she is hesitant to go for a Subaru, and she doesn't write to us as to why. She doesn't. I agree. and I, I, But I do think, look, I hate to say it this way, but people that are outdoorsy, and that's a big, broad term. It can be like, I drive down a fire road and camp. It can be like, I'm hardcore. It can be, I'm a triathlete. But people that do outdoor stuff first, mm-hmm. this is who Subaru sell to. They know True. their market. True. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, onward. She has driven the CRV yeah. Hybrid Touring, the RAV4 Hybrid Prime, the Forester Limited, the CX50 Turbo, and the regular CX50. The ask is for a car-based SUV recommendation that can we give her sports car handling and luxury interior along with cargo storage and some personality to go with a $40,000 price point. She wants bang for her buck, price-wise, quality-wise, something that's not bland that she hasn't considered. Mm. And she's looking at new cars only. Interesting. She, that she, does twist yeah. things. Okay. All right. Which means we're, we're actually talking, she's mentioned a couple times, we're talking in the low $40,000 range because all these cars cost that. Mm-hmm. So that is our reality. But of course, as we are prone to do, I kept thinking up, there's lots of used to, oh, new only. Okay. All right. So Lisa, I'm going to ask this question. Bike rack, are you storing your bike in the vehicle? I'm hoping you aren't. But I mean, maybe you are. It depends. Now, granted, my, my muddy mountain bike is different than your triathlon lightweight uh, uh, road bike. Sure I, I, sure. I am aware there's a difference. <laughs> but of course, right. the minute I hear biking, I think, let's get a bike rack. But okay, we're looking for SUV. I've got a few ideas for you, and then I've got some wild cars. But this is an interesting place to be. I've got suggestions, but I do have the vehicle that I think you should really take a hard look oh, okay, at. Okay, good. I'm going to start over here with the Toyota Corolla Cross Hybrid, which is surprising mm. to me because I never thought I'd recommend that. I really, really didn't think you would. Yes. But these are $35,000, $36,000 brand new Lisa, and I didn't like the Corolla Cross. But I know. the hybrid changes the game. True. Suddenly True. there's power to go along with a pretty dang spacious interior, mm-hmm. good amenities for a lower price point. Mm. So with the tax title and license, you're $40,000 all in. 
That's good. I like it. Yeah. Those are going to be in high demand because in the first what year of production, they sold 71,000 of these Corolla crosses and when they didn't have enough power. Yeah. yeah I, I can't believe I, that. I just yeah. didn't like the, the lack of power. It, it made me drive differently and I felt like it's unsafe and mm. I've got the throttle floored everywhere I'm going. And so I'm not getting good gas mileage. Are you dear listener noticing a trend with Paul at underpowered SUVs? Anyway, onward. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking about Kia offerings. They do have a variety. I was toying with the Mercedes GLA and the GLB. Those mm, might be worth a look. Okay. I we took we just talked about uh, Porsche's two offerings in the marketplace. They're Cayenne and Macan. You mm-hmm. can triple your budget for a Panamera GTS Sport Turismo because if we're spending money, why not just go ahead and triple how, your budget? How much of a throwdown is it for you to show up at your triathlon <laughs> in the Panamera Sport Turismo? The long roof with the bike on the top of the roof. I, and, uh, oh. I love the image. This doesn't work at all for Lisa, but I love the image of that. It's just like, I have arrived. Here I am. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's put all that aside, Lisa. And I want you to take a very close look at the Hyundai Santa Cruz. Interesting. It's a ute. If you buy one with the turbo, those are 40 grand. And, and they drive surprisingly well. They're fun to drive. They're very high quality. The wheelbase is 10 inches longer than a Tucson. Mm-hmm. And it's got that Tucson interior. It's mm-hmm. got that look to it, which is actually quite nice. It's very interesting. I think for your needs, the Santa Cruz would be really cool. I think that screams triathlete to me. That screams outdoorsy triathlete, but you're not buying a pickup truck because you need to haul stuff. No. Yeah. yeah. The stuff that is dirty or is wet, that can just go right in the small bed. Of course it does. And then maybe you've got your bike rack on the back. You can flip the tailgate down and sit back there as you change clothes or put your shoes on or whatever. I like this a lot for you. That's interesting. You know why that's fascinating to me is because technically I've got that in my wild card category, but I talked myself there as well. Did you really? I did. Okay. Because I kept, there were two things in my wild card category. One was you could not go new and you could get a used Macan or Cayenne. And I went there mainly because, Lisa, you were talking about wanting to have good handling dynamics. And that is fundamentally yeah. not something these SUVs do well. <laughs> right. Okay. But the Macan and the Cayenne do. But the problem is you can't get them for your, your budget, so you'd have to go use. That's, That's why, why those are wild cards your for budget me. And you can get everything. For sure. But then I did think Hyundai Santa Cruz does do this really well. So I, I have to 100% cool. back your play there, Paul, because I think that's a great choice. I have some others for you, Lisa. But after Paul's description, I think we might just be talking about a Santa Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was toying with the Honda Ridgeline and the other Utes, the Ford Maverick mm-hmm. Tremor, maybe with the FX4 off-road package. You know, it's a little bit beefier and But I wouldn't looking, think of those as good to drive, whereas the Santa Cruz is good to drive. The Santa Cruz is good to drive. It's so good. I and see the it. style is good. And you're not hauling a bunch of stuff from Home Depot and you're not, I, I mean, I don't think so, but yeah, yeah. your primary use here is your sporting equipment. And I think it would really work for your lifestyle. I think this is great stuff, Lisa. I have a couple others I want to mention to you because you mentioned you're open to hybrids. You don't want an all EV and you're looking for something. The fact that you kept talking about good driving dynamics and a luxurious interior mixed with, by the way, I'm a triathlete, which mm-hmm. I just think water and dirt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Which is well deserved water and dirt. I mean, bravo. Okay. Yes. But that's what they are. That so is that's championship water and dirt yes, there, my that friend. Is, that, is, that is gold. With some sunscreen mixed for in there. For sure it is. So this is where yeah. the Hyundai Santa Cruz does work really well, but I've got, I've got a couple others for you. One, the Volvo XC40. Oh, that's pretty good. Mild actually. hybrid. I do like that. Yeah. Very nice interior. Yeah. Decent dynamics. So look at the Volvo XC40. You don't like the RAV4 or the CRV, but you know what you could also get for the same money is the Toyota Venza. This is almost a Lexus product. It doesn't look like the RAV4. You don't see very many of them around. It is essentially the Prius full hybrid running gear, the same running gear as in the RAV4 Prime, I mean, not Prime, the RAV4 hybrid, but it doesn't look like the RAV4. It looks more luxurious. It looks a little more upscale. It's going to drive very well. We liked it when we had it, so the Toyota Venza is an option. And then I have another one that was like borderline wildcard, but I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're talking five-seat CUV-sized usability and dynamics. Mm. You don't want a CUV, Lisa. You want a GTI or a Golf R. That's a because great, that's a great choice. This too. is yeah. the same yeah. amount of space, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. This is what the GTI and Golf R do actually best in the hatch market is because you end up with a usable back seat. And if you drop the back seats, a surprising amount of hatch space that dwarfs many five seat CUVs that claim to be roomy. 
we're not going to do this, but because nobody would watch it. But there's a part of me that wants to like bring a, a GTI or a Golf R and, and like let's just bring them through every single five seat CUV and see how many of them have more space than the GTI or Golf R because I bet you less than 25%. That means we'd be out there with a tape measure. We would be, and we're not doing that, and nobody's watching that. But I bet you it's less than uh, less than 25% are better than the Golf R. Okay. So that would be dynamics, and you would enjoy like driving it. it. Can you get a Santa Cruz bike on the back of your Hyundai Santa Cruz? And oh. you're all in. Sponsored by Santa Cruz. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And you're probably doing West Coast events, did, too. Did Hyundai do a Santa Cruz bike to go with their Santa Cruz? Was that a massive missed opportunity in that marketing? It been. probably was. I mean, Porsche does all the special edition bikes, and I don't know how many do, they yeah. sell, but somebody's buying those things. <laughs> Shannon is writing in, and she's saying, Lady Mustang driver here, currently driving a 2014 V6 Mustang. She said her favorite thing about it is the Roush axle back system. It's her favorite thing. She likes that car, <laughs> but she and her husband are looking around for her to have something new because she's wanting to upgrade to all-wheel drive so she can get back and forth to work no matter what happens when it snows, and I have to stop right here. Screech. Shannon, <clears throat> you and your husband have probably heard more than one podcast before, and everyone can say it with me now. Tires. I'm not sure where you are. You don't tell us. But the biggest thing that's going to matter for you when it snows is not going to be your drive wheels. It's going to be your tires. So yep. think about all-weather tires. That is an all-season but better because it has snow rating. Or think about actual having winter tires if you're like like we are and you get a lot of snow. If you don't get much snow, I get it. But if you get a lot of snow, think about some dedicated winters. That's going to matter more than drive wheels. But we'll stay with your needs, which is you're looking for all-wheel drive coupes and sedans. She and her husband have been looking into the RS5, RS3. Excellent. TTS or a TTRS, so lots cool. of Audis there. Yeah. They have looked at an F-Type R, hmm. and they're open. She says they're open to various others, and she's test-driven so far, the RS5, the WRX-STI, and the F-Type. And the F-Type is her favorite. I love that. That reminds me of that red one that we've seen in Winters here. Oh, yes, that's right. The all-wheel drive. But you could see that guy coming from miles away because it's just sea of snow and SUVs. And what is the red thing? Oh, it's an F-Type. This will be her daily because she and her husband are wanting an all-wheel drive coupe or sedan for her, for yep. her commute, for her daily. But they're both super concerned about reliability. Hmm. So far, they're concerned about Y-pipe failure and leaky differentials on the F-type. Okay. They're also fearing the dreaded plastic timing chain tensioners on the older V8 RS5s and Audis being known to leak oil in general. Yes, this is what the internet will tell you. And people definitely have issues with that, but mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. have issues with almost every car. True, true. With a budget of $52,000, she wants a faster car than her Mustang that sounds good. And she finishes her email with, life is too short to drive boring cars. Yes. Couldn't agree more. Yes, it is, Shannon. Shannon, thank you so much for writing. Really That's appreciate it. Where am I going to start? I'll, I'll work backwards to the car that I want you to have. I love that you guys are researching known failure points of the cars you're intrigued by. I want you to change your headspace on what that means. It doesn't mean don't get the car because of this thing. It just means you're now educated to the thing to look for when you buy one and observe when you're maintaining it. That's a great point. Every yes. single car you can think of, I don't care what it is, has a known failure point. And the internet will plaster that across whatever forum you're on as if that is the only thing about this car you need to know. Mm -hmm. And we, I'm talking all of us, we as consumers go, no, but it has, oh, I should avoid it because of the known failure point. That means most of the time the aftermarket has solved it or you can get a new part and have it waiting in the wings or the failure rate of that of that is 60,000 miles, so I replace it every 30. <laughs> so if you find a car you like, and in, the, in your case, I'll just go there real quick, you like the F-Type, but you're worried about those known failure points. So solve the known failure points. Over-service those points and get one anyway. Yeah, true. The over-maintaining thing is the best policy. Especially if you're worried about a known problem. I, yeah. I feel like we all, all of us, because we're spending money and we're worried about reliability, we all are, even when we're stupid and we buy stupid things like an old 928 or I buy a Volkswagen Phaeton, even when we do this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I knew the day I bought a Volkswagen Phaeton that the front suspension was probably going to fail. And guess what happened? Front suspension failed. If you go in with your head held high, knowing what the issues are, and you're prepared to service those issues because you like the car, then get the car. And that's just it. Shannon, on the forums, there's all those people talking about their car that had the problem and here's mm -hmm. what they did and mm -hmm. commiseration, but they got it fixed or whatever. But 
They still bought the car. They still own the car. And there's still a lot of owners on there going, yeah, we hear you. Still an awesome car. We still really love it. And I can see why you love that Jag. Mm. And I do love the idea of an all-wheel drive Jag. Those are so cool. They're so unique. Would be so cool to see. And it is very head-turning. But I understand if the worry is too much, I want to give you other options. And I'm going to start with my crazy wild card. Oh, good. It's not the Slinky Jag. It's a Toyota GR Corolla, if you could get one. But $52,000, I thought... Can you get one? I don't even know if you can get one close to MSRP. The problem is people are flipping them. They're Mm -hmm, overcharging. mm -hmm. Uh, ADM is rampant with these things. That's the big Mm -hmm. problem with them. But I want, we're we're starting to see a few out there. We've been to Mm -hmm. various places and we go, oh, wait, that's a GR. There's one right right there. there." Yeah, for sure. Did they get it at MSRP or how did they get it? So we don't quite know the story, but... You know, they're starting to get out there and I'm hoping people are playing as close as they can to MSRP and that could be a cool consideration. But it like isn't. It. It's stubby and short and weird and gnarly and throaty. <laughs> Sounds good, but it isn't boring. It isn't boring. It, it is the opposite end of the styling spectrum of the F-Type, which has some like classy, sleek lines about it. The, the GR Corolla is like, like, it's worked out a little too much, mm-hmm. but it's still cool looking. I love it. Mazda 3 Turbo, especially the hatch, is mm. something to look at, but... I could see how you might think, even though it drives well, and I appreciate the design, and Paul talks a lot about the design and the washouts and the sensual surfaces and (laughs) all that stuff. I could see how you might think like, nah, a little bit too boring, not for me. So let's quickly move on to something from Munich, like an M240i X-Drive. I have that on my list as well. Do you? There's no BMW X-Drives on here, and the M240, if you don't like the current one, go back a gen. Yes, you could choose either, depending on the size, depending on price, but for $52,000, the one we have was like 58. I think so, yeah. Wasn't it right around there? it was close to 60. Pretty yeah. fully loaded. It was it's press car spec. Lots of power. Yes. Super engine, mm-hmm. 382 horsepower in that thing. And mm-hmm. we know BMW sandbags, so it's really quick. Yeah. The handling yeah. is very precise, even though it does distance your, distance you as the driver mm-hmm. from that road feel. But that all-wheel drive system is superb. Uh-huh. The amenities are superb. The tech is great. It's got that beautiful build quality, and it's quite striking. If you do like it, it's... It's a piece. I was surprised that there were no extra BMWs, and that was the top of my list for her on those as well. Yeah, it's great. But let's go all the way to Stuttgart because Porsche 911s sound good, don't they? Yeah. Okay, where are you going with this? Oh, I've decided that the base model Carreras and like a, a Targa 4, it seems like why would anybody buy that new? You want the fully loaded the thing. You want mm-hmm. all the stuff. You want the Carrera S with the... You know, all the options and that kind of stuff. And then, all right, if you get the four-wheel drive, you want the 4S. And But what about just a Carrera 4 sure, or a Targa sure, yeah. 4? Those are still very interesting. They sound great. And so I went looking. You're going to need to go to 997.2 generations or later if you get one. <laughs> but I found a 2009 Carrera 4S with 61,000 miles for fifty-nine grand. Like it. Found a 2012 Targa 4, which is cool. Those are cool. With 69,000 miles for sixty grand. Here's and you're th- rocking a 911, a four-wheel drive 911, mm-hmm. maintain that thing and drive it. It will actually do better. The more miles you put on it, do not hesitate to drive it and drive it, maintain it, and just keep pouring miles onto that thing, and it will run, and you'll be rocking a 911. I, that's interesting because I that's my wild card. You and I went interesting places today because that's, that's crazy. my wild card because I my concern is that it is actually older than your Mustang. It is. But it is, yeah. but it is a nicer place than your Mustang. It's going to be more powerful than your Mustang, and I agree with you, Paul. If you maintain it, it's going to run pretty well. Yeah. I, I wound up there for wild card. That's very good. I mean, yes, the... Okay, just forget about the miles and focus on that maintenance and think about, I want a 200,000-mile 911. And I want to be able to tell people, this is a 200,000-mile 911, and I drive it everywhere, and it's been everywhere, and it takes me everywhere, and we do mm-hmm. stuff, and we, I drive in the winter, it gets sloppy and mucky, and I put winter tires on it. Uh, have I shown you my 911 today? Yeah, I like it. I love that story for stuff. you, and that is, is a reason. I mean, I want everybody to have a 911. I want a 911. Yes. <laughs> you keep buying Caymans, but I, you do want a 911. tripping and falling and it's, buying a It's Cayman. really funny because the number of times that Paul's like, I really ought to get a 911, and then he's like, but Caymans. Caymans are so great. They're so funny. I, there's two others I want to give you, Shannon, that I want you to at least drive. We've mentioned some good ones here that I think are awesome, but there's two others I want you to drive. One is what about a used Mercedes CLA AMG 45? Dang it, that's good. They're really that's fun. That's good. They're, they're, they're really luxurious inside. Ah. Nobody expects that car to be as powerful and dynamic as it is. The last press car we had for one was $70,000. 
which is way too much. But they've been making them for a while. They are coming down in value. I don't think there's a second buyer for that car at all. By the way, so CLA, AMG CLA forty five. Yeah, seriously, Shannon's the so, second. So buyer. look for that. Also, one that I want you to at least drive because you've 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 had some various uh, sedans on here, or you know, like the RS three is very interesting. You said you drove the WRX STI, but you didn't. It never came back up in conversation. So I'm guessing that's out. The RS five is very cool. I mean, you've driven some sedan stuff. There's nothing wrong with the TTS and TTRS. Those are all very cool as well. But there's one all wheel drive. I think you should drive and surprise yourself. Okay. All right. And that is the Alpha Julia. You're looking for all-wheel drives. Also At good. least drive the Alpha Julia. Now, you're not going to be in the Quadrifoglio. That doesn't come in all-wheel drive. You're going to be in the in the four-cylinder. But it's a great uh, automatic transmission. It's surprisingly powerful in spite of the stats, which the stats seem kind of low, but it never feels that low. So at least drive the all-wheel drive Julia and see what you think. Shannon, thank you for writing. Really appreciate it. You've got a little bit of drive homework to do. Yep. Lisa, thank you for writing as well. Wish you well in your car search. Mm-hmm. Always think of autotempest.com slash everyday so they know that we sent you. But if you have emails and debates like Shannon, like Lisa, write to us everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. On to great audience questions. Thank you, guys. As always, we do post for audience questions on our social channels. That is Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. We post on Mondays and Thursdays for our podcast, typically dropping on Tuesdays and Fridays. So look out for those. We do always check them. If you have a car debate, please remember to send that to the email and not to the social channels, even including DMs. We don't really look for car debates there. They do. We are looking for the email for that. But thank you guys as always for doing that. I have to start right here. Lucas5F on Instagram is calling me out. Track daily crush mountain biking, skiing, and editing. Oh, now what you've heard here, Lucas, is you've just heard the things that I fill my time with, and you've said, "Well, let's just see which what he crushes." We can do this one of two ways, because if we're doing this, like, what do I have more fun doing? I like to edit, but I'm perfectly happy to crush it because edit is work. Okay? <laughs> it's work. I, I enjoy it. I like what comes of it. I'm skilled at it. I've been doing it for all my adult life. Long time. Okay, it comes to very yeah. naturally to me, but it is actually work. Okay. Sure. So I, I could crush that, but if we're actually having a conversation about what my life looks like for real when I have to pick, then the daily has to be the editing because that's what happens. <laughs> I'm dailying the editing, which means my track equivalent is mountain biking and I am forced to crush skiing. Wow. I wouldn't. And you love skiing. I, I do like skiing. If, but if we're talking what I prefer, then of course I crush the editing and I daily the mountain bike and I ski as, as an occasional thing track day. Wow. Geese1RBM asks me if I'm going to be getting any of the recently announced Porsche paint colors for the home. <laughs> Until you mentioned it, I didn't know there were. Oh, no. So if you go to the Porsche newsroom, that's newsroom.porsche.com, they have teamed up with Backdrop, a paint company I've never heard of until now, but backdrophome.com now is producing four of the classic <laughs> Porsche paint colors, including Irish Green from the 1967 911 Targa, Porsche Ruby Star, you know, Ruby Star Red. Mm. Imagine that on your walls. Is this why you have all the little uh, uh, paint markers on your walls now when I got here today? You, yes. You're marking your walls? Yeah, okay. They've got Porsche Riviera Blue ooh, and Porsche Speed Yellow. So what this has oh made me want to do is sort of paint a mural, like design a custom cool <laughs> mural of something and order all these colors. And the best part is you get to choose a keychain when you order the paint. So you okay. get a keychain in the, I just want the keychain to start. I know, you but just you have want to the order the paint. Yeah. So maybe I'll just buy some paint and get around to it. But all four colors so far are available and they're the exact color. Does this mean we're going to wind up in a world where you did paint to sample colors on your walls provided to you by Porsche? Paint to sample garage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about a cool mural in the garage using the Porsche paint colors? I'm my mind is blown. This is fantastic news for everyone. You can paint <laughs> it? your house. Is it? Porsche paint colors. I, I'm trying to think. This Ruby Star, the, oh, the magenta, no. the Ruby Star red. What room does that go in? Oh, I don't really know. Maybe that's more like a laundry room. Be careful. I don't yeah. know. Garage, because maybe a mural in a garage. with the. Huh. Come back next time when Paul is still debating where these colors go. Unless each bedroom becomes a themed room. You know what? I wouldn't put it past you. I really wouldn't. I would arrive here one day and be like, huh, so that happened. But I still have designs on doing a Maserati bedroom, and I'm going to do a, I think, like the the Jag, Jaguar, like the D-type. 
Maybe. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. Just, All right. I love beautiful. I stuff know you like do. That. Matthew Dirks writes in on Instagram and says, when's our next cheap or cheap-ish car challenge? Matthew, obviously we have been escalating these challenges as we go. And I, I hate to say this, but this is the reality. The problem with the cheap car challenges is finding stuff that people are going to actually click on and watch. Generally, the cheap cars... They're old enough now that they aren't going to get very many YouTube clicks and they're not going to get much YouTube promotion because the cars are old news. Mm -hmm. So if you want to get a car that's going to get a lot of promotion, perfect example, our GR86 got a lot of viewership, but it was a brand new car. Not an expensive car, but a brand new car. So obviously our last cheap car challenge was the Z4 and the Mercedes, which we enjoyed. Before that was the Phaeton and the Maserati, which we really enjoyed. We liked both of those. The struggle on both of them is if you aren't interested in the cars being featured, nobody clicks. So that's a difficulty of the cheap car challenge. Having said that, we had our video we did a couple years ago, which was the $8,000 and less sports car. And that continues to play as one of our top videos every month. I would love to do another large comparo of cars that are somewhat affordable, but I do it as a standalone onesie. I wouldn't do it as us buying cheap cars to run for a year because, candidly, that content doesn't get enough clicks to be worth it. Yeah, and doing the GR86 with the older stuff, like that Cayman S that we did. You know, a little I bit love older. That. It, it I love gave that us an stuff. opportunity to, to drive a little bit older, yeah, yeah. something like that. But you're right. I... The other issue that we're running into, we didn't see everything happening with the car market, right? Sure, we didn't know spiking, all this yeah. was coming down the pike, mm-hmm. but that has changed people's perspective because there's a lot of comments on there saying like, well, you know, good luck. These are all $80,000 now. And, <laughs> well, no, not really, but I, I take your point. Yeah. We can't really measure what we want anymore by virtue of additional dealer markup and mm-hmm. the fact that you just wanted it. So you bought it. Cheap cars, if you can find it and it's in great condition. Yeah. Buy it, right? Yeah, for sure. Ted on Green on Facebook says, when are car makers going to realize they're losing brand model equity by naming new EVs with a new car name instead of just moving the name from the equivalent ICE to the equivalent EV? Even if they sell two totally different cars with the same model name for a while, he sees a lot of loss with Volkswagen's ID line and whatever Toyota is doing with the BZ4X, that should have been the RAV4 EV, he thinks. But hang on, Ted. What about the Mustang Mach-E? That we all raged against because they did exactly that. It's not a Mustang. True. It's only Mustang because of that hood line. Mm-hmm. And it was raised to kind of be a Mustang profile. Yep, yep. And then you can't just put Mustang on and call Mustang because what about that ties to the heritage about where Mustang True. started? True. Not a lot, actually. Very little. Yeah, in fact, I, I don't... People are going to buy an EV or they're not. I mean, the, the, one, the one genius thing about... Ford calling it a Mustang, as we all talked about it. True. They put it on people's radar. True. The thing that the industry is slowly realizing, even though we've talked about it for a while, is that you're either going to buy an EV because it works for how you use a car or you aren't. There isn't yeah. just a, okay, better, worse, black, white, turn off, turn on. It's not that simple. There's so much gray area here. And so this this rush to electrification is going to have to create some nuance. And I think model name is the least of our worries. Well, I also think by doing that, if it doesn't sell or it does turn out to be a bad idea, they can quickly get rid of it without sullying mm. the name of a, a hallowed Fair car. point. Fair point. It can come up, it rises up, here's this new name, and it's some goofy name. You give the, the lyric as an example, and sure, okay, yeah. but what if that turns out to be a sales disaster? Mm. And you know mm. what? There isn't going to be a second generation of that. We're killing that off. Sure. And we're putting it aside and moving on and not acknowledging that we ever did that. The I don't cat, know what you're ca- talking about. The caddy about. witch now? Yeah. <laughs> and we're moving on from there. And it separates in people's minds that this is a very different vehicle. I think because it's a brand new platform, because it's uncharted territory for every car manufacturer to come up with that new recipe, what are they going to do? What's their target market? Who Mm -hmm. are they going after? How's it priced? How much horsepower? It should have a name that totally differentiates Mm. from everything else. Mm. It is an opportunity to do that. And then again, if it doesn't work out, well, we're moving on to the next. We'll introduce some other new model. Because also that industry changes so quickly it's not like a BMW 5 Series. We kind of know what the next one's going to be like. Theoretically, yeah. It's going to be the same recipe. Yeah, it should be, yeah. It should be. How about some new EV kind of thing that's you're targeting a new market? You can't call that a 5 Series. you got to call it, well, <laughs> XM or IX or something. <laughs> Must like, we? What? But apparently <laughs> what we are. What are you are. talking about? Terrible. 
Kevin on Instagram writes in, and, and he, I think he's kind of talking to me, but he says, all right, so he's trying to understand here. The Lotus Elise is a no-lift car. Don't lift, don't lift, don't lift. Stay in the power on the corner or things will go bad. Now, what I actually think you're saying here is you're actually talking a mid-engine car or even a 911 rear-engine car. You can't have this all of a sudden mid-corner, I need to go slower, I'll lift my foot off the gas because what happens is that back half decides to be a pendulum and come around and see what the problem is. So that's what you're saying. You said, but hang on, what happens if you come around a corner and there's suddenly something in the road, your description is a cow or a gaggle of teenage girls turning across your lane. That's a that's a strike right at me He's in my experience. Yeah, yeah, he said, do you kiss your ankles goodbye <laughs> or do you straighten Yikes. out stand on the brakes like a motorcycle kevin there's there's a few things going on here first off i don't want you to misunderstand when there's a conversation here about no lift that is because when people have a tendency to do it they lift all the way you could there's nuance available with a throttle pedal trail braking okay well but there's also nuance like mm-hmm, like uh, mm-hmm. like pulling back a little bit on the throttle is very differently than pulling your foot completely off the gas right, and jumping so, off, yeah. so so there's that kind of reality the, the the issue with the elise specifically is the very short wheelbase that car I, i've tried it that car does not like to drift because the wheelbase is so tiny okay it likes to understeer if you don't set it up right, it will understeer. If you set it up the wrong way, it will oversteer. But it doesn't like to have big, long, carried drifts because the wheelbase is so short. The reality is once the Elise starts spinning, your chances of getting it back are almost zero. And mm. that, that is where the actual uh, unassisted steering and the small steering wheel is to your detriment. There was a video I saw years ago that was really terrible. There was a guy early on in the world of YouTube that had a Krypton Green Elise that he drove everywhere. Oh, yeah, And eventually right. he wrecked it oh, with yeah. his wife in the pasture seat. It was some really chilling video that he actually, to his credit, he muted it because he didn't want people hearing his wife freak out. But he came up over an expansion joint onto a, onto a, a bridge. So it was an expansion joint, which lifted the back of the car as he got off the gas in the middle of a corner, and it spun the thing right into the railing. So unfortunately, that's a car you just don't get back. So you just drive aware. Mm-hmm. Nate M on Facebook. I'll take your track daily crush. Oh, I like it. Mach E GT, mm. EV6 GT, or Model Y Performance. Ooh, this is a good one. Well, it's the crush is pretty easy. I'm crushing the Tesla. I'm okay. I'm just not interested. I don't okay. want to drive it. I'm yeah. The numbers say otherwise, but I just don't want to drive it. You know what intrigues me to drive all the time is the EV6 GT, okay. but I'm tracking the Mach E GT because of that hard suspension. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a daily suspension at all. It's not if I were track buying, usage. Yes, we're if done. I, if I were buying, I think you've done very well there. If I were buying the Mach E right now, I would not buy the GT. Right. As an actual EV to use, I don't think the GT is too Correct. much. But but you're right. It might be good on track. We appreciate all of your emails. Write to us, Everyday Driver TV, for your topic Tuesdays yep. as well. Looking for those. We're looking for car conclusions. We'll get to those again shortly. We've had a ton of those. Yep. And of course, your car debates. And yeah, thanks for the social media questions. We always love discussing all the uh, the latest car news. And there's just so much. The industry moves very quickly, but it's always uh, somebody really finally cool did a low weight EV. I'm excited. Yeah. Caterham, can I have one, please? And that was just in between. Two episodes here. Yes, for so sure. So what it was. else? We what's, talked what's about our wish list for today's we episode. We talked about it last time, and here it is. You're right. We should be making a wish list every. And we should end the podcast with our wish list to see how fast the industry responds. <laughs> Maybe that's a new yeah, thing. I don't think that's a new thing, but it's funny. <laughs> Looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone. <laughs>